Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Shabbat Shalom. So Ben's uh, song for the army of God is so relevant to our message today. And we're going to ultimately land in Ephesians 6 and the famous verses on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. What's interesting about this, we need to think of ourselves as, as soldiers, right? And Yeshua is our general. And Paul, or Rav Shaul, writes and hands this letter to the Ephesians. He is sitting in a Roman prison. And back in those days, Rome, they were conquerors. So Paul was, and Rav Shaul is very familiar with what the soldiers prepared for. As children, they would prepare, they would fight. If you ever watched the movie Gladiator, or some of these older Roman films, you would see them raising their kids with this physical armor on. And Paul is watching this as he's in the prison, and he's seeing what they go through. Rav Shaul pens his letter to the Ephesians. Now, when the soldier would get dressed, he would put this undergarment on, and he had this heavy belt that had armor to protect his loins, and it ultimately anchored him where the sword would go. And he would sit down, and if you've seen these sandals, they're very thick, because a soldier has to protect their feet. And they would put these on, and they would strap them. Have you ever seen movies where they're all wrapped around the legs and strapped? A soldier cannot fight if his feet are damaged. Right? And the bottom of those sandals in those days were very, very thick. And then ultimately, they would put on the armor and the breastplate. And that breastplate was engaged to not come off. Have you ever see, see them in the older movies? And some of the older armor, it's strapped on. It was an effort in the morning to get this on. It did not come off. And as the soldier would leave, he'd pick up the shield, he'd pick up the sword, put his helmet on, and out the door. And I would often venture to say that when he rested, he'd place the shield down, he'd place the sword down, he'd probably take his helmet off. The other gear didn't come off. Right? And we're going to look at that in some detail. Because what Rob Shaul is writing here, he's observing this. And he's observing the importance of the armor. But he's penning it in such a way it's important for us to defend our spiritual being. It's all about defending the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh that's inside us. Right, so keep that in your forefront as we are, are going to look at this message today. And I subtitled this the uh, Protecting the Holy Spirit, which is an interesting title, yes. But I want to shed some light on what the accuser of the brethren, the deceiver, Satan and his minions, also known as demons, use to trip us up, if we allow them. Fundamentally, we must fully trust and believe what our position with Messiah Yeshua is, and understand that the enemy's strategies will stop at nothing to ruin our grace and our shalom as a follower of Yeshua. Rav Shaul writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. He says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who spiritually appraises all things, yet him himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Messiah Yeshua. 
It is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, that lives in our mind. And hold this thought, not in the back of the mind, but in the front of your mind. So we're going to walk through some of the fundamentals of preparing to, to use our armor. And as believers, we're given the gift of the Ruach. We're also told that after we receive the Ruach, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? When we commit sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit that's in us. And I think we use the term spiritual warfare loosely, in my opinion. And I think we don't spend enough time looking at where it comes from. We know it seems to happen, but how much do we really understand what is behind it? What really happens to us as believers as it pertains to the heavenly realm? When the non-believer realizes the truth, when they realize that they feel separated from, from God because of their sinful nature, when they come to that point in their lives that the truth hits them and the spirit of Yeshua comes over them, which is an uncontrollable feeling when the spirit of Yeshua comes upon them, when suddenly they truly recognize their need for our Savior Yeshua and make a commitment to follow him for the rest of their days. And they have faith and live by the amazing promises and grace and shalom that the Lord brings us. We are soldiers in his army. It's by his blood that we are covered. We are declared righteous. It is a gift. We are justified by this faith. You cannot earn it. Yeshua earned it for us. You cannot do anything but believe and trust in the Lord in faith, period. From this point on, you cannot undo what God has already done for you. You are his child. The reward for his people is beyond our earthly understanding. It's stored up for us as treasure in the heavenly realm. We patiently wait for his return. As his, as his bride, we're waiting the wedding supper with the Lamb of God. Yet, we are warned we are in a battle. That as followers of Yeshua, we should expect trials and tribulations. We'll encounter times of testing, and we will encounter times of hardships. We'll also encounter times in our lives that we experience great blessings from the Lord. And unbelief can creep into every believer in one form or another over our walk. As a matter of fact, we're warned against the craftiness, the schemes of Satan, the subtle ways in which he works ways that can become stumbling blocks to us as believers. As Rav Shaul begins to outline what we must do, he tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Rav Shaul goes on to prepare us with spiritual armor, the full armor of God. And we're going to come back to this in, in great detail. But keep in mind, when Yeshua was confronted by Satan, and, and Yeshua quoted Satan's scriptures, Satan fled. And we ultimately know that Yeshua conquers Satan. And us, as, as part of the soldiers in God's army, we ultimately are victorious, and we must understand our position with Yeshua that Satan cannot conquer us. It's by faith that we are saved, we're justified. And true repentance leads to the baptism of fire in way of his Holy Spirit. 
And here is where I believe we struggle to not fully understand the spiritual armor of God. Sanctification is the process to remove all sin from us in preparation for the wedding supper, to become clean, to become pure. It's this pursuit of holiness that Yeshua desires for all of us as believers. How can we succeed and not stumble? Do we truly understand the spiritual armor that Rav Shaul wants us to be equipped with to stand firm? What is the evil day? Many people probably never heard of a gentleman named Kelly Johnson. Now, I knew Paul at the men's retreat was going to know him, uh, so that didn't surprise me. But Kelly Johnson was a lead engineer at Lockheed Skunk Works. Johnson was the lead engineer on the famous SR-71 Blackbird, fastest plane that broke all the, uh, the mock records. His designs and the designers that he worked with, he said it should be simple enough to be repaired by a man in a combat situation with only some basic training and simple tools. Many probably have heard the phrase, keep it simple, stupid, and didn't realize that that was Kelly Johnson's design principle for his staff. Now, Kelly Johnson, despite coming up with some major design principle to keep it simple, he's prepared. He had a bachelor's of science and master's degrees from the University of Michigan, and his contributions to the aeronautical industry are highly recognized. And we as God's people must also be preparing for it, ourselves for the eternal life with Yeshua. What are we doing daily to prepare for the wedding feast with the Lamb? Are spiritual forces working against you? Do you understand how to stand firm in the evil day? Like Johnson told his crew, keep it simple. So when trouble hits us in combat situation, you can survive the battle with some simple fundamental scriptures, especially when we're in combat with evil forces. We need to understand when we're in it and how to be victorious. David did this versus Goliath against all physical odds and people that were very skeptical and all the people around them didn't think it was possible. But by his faith, and a simple uh, slingshot, he toppled the giant. Did Yeshua keep it simple for us? Yes, he did. When he was tested, in Matthew 22, verses 34, he said, But the Pharisees heard that Yeshua had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered themselves together, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. It says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. They were testing Yeshua, and he gave them two simple commands. He gave them commands that they would be familiar with. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6 Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your might. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. So they were familiar with this. And we are preparing, and Yeshua is showing us a way. And in, Yeshua gives us great detailed instructions throughout the book of Matthew on, on how we are to walk, how we are to prepare ourselves. In Matthew 7, verse 13, he tells us that we are to enter through the narrow gate. For the grade is wide, 
and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by your fruits. He goes on. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But once we're saved, We draw closer to Yeshua through meditating on his word daily, and we're entering into this intimate relationship with him through daily prayer. Rav Shaul goes on in Romans 6, verse 16. He says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves as the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? It is through obedience, this purging of all sin in our lives, one may conclude that therefore we are practicing not lawlessness, but we are practicing righteousness. And as soldiers, that's our mission, is to become holy as he is holy. It is opposite of practicing lawlessness. It's two simple concepts. But the enemy wants to ruin God's plan. God does not want you to, uh, the enemy does not want us to be successful, does not want to see us become more holy. And one thing for sure, he does not want you up in the morning in God's word. Our connection with God, the Holy Spirit, it lives in our mind. It is the gift that gives us that daily connection, that life force that gives us our ruach, our direct connection to Yeshua. Everything we read in the scriptures, Holy Spirit versus unholy spirit, good versus evil. It's a battle, and the battle is in our mind. It's a battle of our faith. It's a battle for what and whom you believe. But there are forces working against us. We have an unseen enemy, and he wants to bring us down. He wants us to suffer from unbelief and sin. This is why Rav Shaul tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 3, for we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah Yeshua. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Really, this is the simplest foundation for us to be successful. This is a great outline in Scripture. Love your God, love your neighbor. And what Rav Shaul is saying here is to protect the Ruach, our connection 
the Holy Spirit that lives in us, which is our mind, by taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah Yeshua. When some perverse thought or evil desire comes into your mind, crush it by raising it up in obedience to Yeshua. This is pulling the sword. This is the word that's hidden in our heart. We have to be careful when something's coming in that we're about ready to commit, that we pull the sword and we, we crush it in obedience to Messiah Yeshua. Rav Shaul shows us that what we need to train ourselves is to use the complete armor of God so we can resist in the evil day. And we're in a battle for who it is that we trust. Philippians 2, verse 12, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work at you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of the God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Boy, is that, is that an understatement. Among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that the day of Messiah, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Our fight is very, very simple. Yes. Easy? No, it's not. There is no prosperity prosperity gospel. We're in a battle with the ruler of this world and the lack of understanding of the spiritual or unseen heavenly realm is why so many of us believers in Yeshua struggle. The scriptures tell us that we are fighting this lifelong battle. It's not a short sprint. It's a marathon. It's a lifetime following Yeshua. Every single day, you must protect and nurture the Ruach HaKadosh that resides in us. The Word also tells us that we all have these trials and tribulations. And as a believer, the enemy wants to see us suffer and not, be, and not come out of these trials victorious. He's a fierce enemy. He's an enemy far more powerful than you and I. He's the ruler of this world. And the biggest three mistakes we make as believers are, I'll put this on the overhead. One, we neglect to understand Satan is more powerful than you and I alone. We also need to recognize how much superior power Yeshua has over Satan and that you and I standing together with Yeshua are more powerful than Satan and will cause Satan to flee. That is a fundamental truth that's tried, true, and practiced, and Yeshua will protect his people. Again, keep it simple. Understand that we have this enemy, but when we equip ourselves with the whole armor of God, by the power of Yeshua, the devil will flee. Most believers in Yeshua suffer through torment because they focus on an incorrect strategy. They believe that just being Bible smart or attending shul or doing Bible studies, equips them to be victorious. I'm not saying that these things are not vitally important and should be part of every believer's life, but by themselves are not entirely what Yeshua calls us to do. 
The first two parts of being a believer, is being born again, is to take off your old self and become the new man. In all the Gospels, we see the same thing. It's this true Yeshua belief. means everything in our life depends upon Yeshua and our actions. Here is where we can get confused and messed up. By the way, this is one of the enemy's key strategies to trip us up. We have to go through a process. This process is referred to as sanctification. If you don't fully understand this, you're going to struggle to have shalom. Odds are probably pretty good you're going to have some struggles. I have yet to met anyone that's walked with Yeshua for any length of time and years that hasn't had struggles with uh, spiritual warfare or had committed some sort of sin after being saved. Now, Yeshua challenged the crowd when they wanted to stone the adulterous woman. And he said to him, he without sin cast the first stone. They all left. And so we have to understand what Satan is going to use against us. He may whisper in our ear at times of trouble. It's okay, Satan says, you're saved. You have a license to sin because if and when you sin, you're okay as long as you repent. That's a lie. Do we still have grace? Yes, we do. But everywhere throughout the scriptures, we're told not to trample all over this grace. We love Yeshua, we keep his commandments, and we need to arm ourselves with the armor of God to protect and glorify Yeshua HaMashiach. True believers mature and purge all sin from their lives. It's the process of true repentance. It's our calling to be holy and prepare ourselves to be as clean as we can, as we attend the wedding supper with the Lamb of God. Now, sin has major consequences in a believer's life. When you sin, you drag Yeshua's name down. You drag the whole army down. We have to shine our light before men, and if they see us as a sinner, what does that say about God? And you are one of his children. As parents, we want the best for our children. David just gave three fantastic sermons on raising our children. We're older and wiser than our children, and we want the best for them. So we give them guidelines, rules, etc. And when they're disobedient, disobedient, we have punishments for them. We may even be angry at each other at times. But you never stop loving your children. And neither parent nor child has peace when there's a disciplinary action in motion. And hopefully, the child ceases from this behavior so peace can be restored in our household. Think of sin in the same way. When a believer sins, they grieve the Holy Spirit. And we must repent and purge this sin and all sin from our lives. This is true repentance. This is our calling to be holy as he is holy. This is the process to shalom. It is the narrow path. This exhibits true fruit and a bright light that shines for others to see, and more importantly, to desire. The unbeliever doesn't recognize the greeting of the Holy Spirit because he's never received it. The unbeliever may say he's a believer, but even Satan believes. There must be an accompanying of true repentance and a desire to purge all sin. This purging of sin accomplished 
by repentance through prayer and the change of old self, maybe a pair a repair of uh, sorry, maybe a prayer of repentance to Yeshua goes something like this: By the blood of the Lamb, forgive me, my Lord, for I have sinned. Give me strength today and every day forward to remove this behavior and this sin from my life. My desire is to purify my life for you, Lord. Help me, Father, give me strength. But you must act. You must have the discipline to change, and obedience takes discipline. The Lord tells us, knock, ask, and you will receive. And you will move forward with his power and his might to knock this out. Everyone whom has truly been a follower of Yeshua has felt that grieving of the Holy Spirit when they've sinned. The truth is in us, and when any one of the bodies sins, we bring down the whole name of God. We are all part of the battle as soldiers in Yeshua's army. Rav Shaul fully understood this battle. Every one of his epistles is citing a battle. It's citing a fight to the end. This was Yeshua's first call to us. In Mark verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, where you're told to repent. He says, now after John had been taken into custody, Yeshua came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So a non-believer is someone who does not believe, will not understand anything about the battle or how to be equipped with the armor of God. The words would make no sense. True Yeshua followers have undergone a process driven by the Ruach to realize that they need Yeshua, our Savior, is in their lives. True repentance and true belief enable us to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and become spirit-filled believers in Yeshua. This is God's gift of the amazing grace that we can receive. You cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. We are justified by pure faith in Yeshua. Our faith and repentance changes us as we begin to walk out our salvation in fear and trembling. It is this process of our sanctification. It's by Yeshua's blood that we are cleansed and declared righteous. We saw that this breastplate does not get removed, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what Paul is actually instructing us here in these verses. Now that we have joined Yeshua, think of Yeshua as the general of our salvation. He's the general of our army. We need to be strong. We need to stand firm in his power and his might. And we must train and learn how to be equipped with the armor. To be clear, this is spiritual armor. We're protecting the Ruach. And the battle is in the heavenly realm, not earthly or physical realms. Because we cannot see the spiritual realm, and our world has become so dependent on scientific proof, believers often let uncertainty and doubt creep in. Therefore, we're reminded as Rav Shaul opens his final words in Ephesians 6. Starting in verse 10, we'll revisit this again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Rav Shaul is commanding us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This strength has already been given to you by your faith. Don't forget who the king is. He does everything according to the will of God. Now let's look at these next two verses. Ephesians 6, 13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loin with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. I talked earlier what Rav Shaul was looking at on these prison guards. Now, this is the first three pieces of armor. And it's interesting, when I first studied this as a young believer some 20 plus years ago, I had a different translation. And I spent some time looking at the the original Greek on this and then the most accurate translation. And they all have the the word having, where some of the other uh, translations don't have having. Now, why is that important? You have these three pieces of armor because God gave them to you. They are bolted on. You are by his blood. You have the breastplate. Right? You are girding your loins with the truth. Your feet are shod and protected to walk out the gospel. Those are the first three pieces of armor as a believer. God gave them to you. And this is a fulfillment of God's promise in the famous verse in Jeremiah 31. But this is the covenant which I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. By your faith, the truth has been written on your heart by the blood of the Lamb. You have become righteous. You have shod your feet in the preparation of the good news, the wedding feast to come. Hallelujah. You have these first three pieces of armor. God gave them to you. But Rav Shaul goes on. He has more. We have our part to do. We look at verses 16 and 17. He says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. These last three pieces of armor, Rav Shaul tells us we must take them. We must take the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Can't leave them at home. When we're under attack and we see it, we pull the shield first with the, with the helmet on. This shield keeps bad and evil thoughts out. We're to take them captive. These evil thoughts, these demons that come into our mind, we take them captive, we take them to obedience, and by pulling the sword, we cut all the evil out by the word of God. Pretty simple but we have to remember these key fundamentals. What does James say? James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? He will flee. Even though we're learning this to keep it simple, we still have to train. First Timothy, we see Timothy in verse 6, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you make a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, before he died in in the second epistle 
chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all have loved his appearing. All the epistles highlight this fight, this battle. So important for us to be victorious in this battle. Rav Shaul gives us this amazing illustration of preparing ourselves with the full armor of God so we can be successful in this fight, to win the fight against the very crafty Satan with his wiles and minions and his schemes. Paul describes how to stand firm and illustrates the six pieces of armor needed to win this battle. If you go to any biblical bookstore or even search online and go to the commentary section, you will see more volumes of commentary on these 10 verses in Ephesians 6 than the entire (laughs) commentaries on all the other subjects. Martin Lloyd-Jones has eight volumes alone on Ephesians 6. Actually, I think it's a whole book of Ephesians. I stand corrected. But he has two particular books just on these uh, these 10 verses. We studied one of them, The Christian, uh, the Christian so- uh, Soldier by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Fantastic book. I usually don't recommend books. This book is very, very solid. And I want to cite a couple of uh, insights that Martin Lloyd-Jones had uh, in his books on spiritual warfare. He says, the world today ridicules this kind of statement. It does not believe in the spiritual realm at all. It is even doubtful of the being of God. It has very little faith, therefore it doesn't believe principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Such words are meaningless to the world. Thus, this era of needing scientific proof and lack of causes and lack of causes disbelief. While we as believers are left occupied with dealing with the wiles of the devil, trying to understand what it means when it says we are wrestling not against flesh and blood in ourselves or in other people, but against these spiritual powers, these principalities, these unseen hordes of wickedness that are at the back of all evil. And all of their activities are all set against us in order to try to defeat us and ruin the whole gospel. So we have to realize that we are called in a life to follow Yeshua to this battle, not a life of ease, but to a battle, to a warfare, to a struggle. We already know in detail the various almost endless ways in which the devil in his wiliness and subtleties tries to trap us and ensnare us to confound us. We as believers must be forewarned of what has taken place around us, and this is half the battle. Firstly, we're told to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Secondly, is to take the whole armor of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones goes on, he says, You and I must realize that living a messianic life does not follow automatically upon conversion. Many a man having come into the messianic life through regeneration, through a true experience, has then tried to live the messianic life in the old terms. He thinks he needs this act of God in Yeshua to save him, but then he leaves it at that. 
he feels that henceforth he is going to lead the messianic life by his own power. He has a new understanding, so now he's going to live this life. But it cannot be done. This is the road along which people melt away and droop and die because they're trusting in nothing but their native strength. On the contrary, this is a battle that must be fought in a spiritual manner and with a spiritual understanding. Now, having realized that I am to be strong and that I am by myself essentially weak, because I'm still in the flesh, and that is still true, that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are at odds with each other. Realizing that all that is still true of me and that I am still in this warfare and up against a terrible power, what is the next thing? It is to realize that the Lord is strong, that he is mighty. As the Tanakh reminds us, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. His very name is strong. The name represents him. He, who he is and what he is. And the first thing, therefore, we have to realize is the greatness of his strength. That is what Rav Shaul is telling us. Throughout the scriptures, we're reminded that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. If we look at Psalm 34, verse 7, you think you're doing it all yourself, but the angel Lord is encamping around us that fear him. He is a very powerful angel. Even when we're asleep, he is there watching his people because we are God's people and God's honor is involved with what happens to us. John 10, verse 27, Yeshua tells us, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Lloyd-Jones goes on. He says, we see that nothing can separate us from the love of Yeshua. Why? For the reason that if anything could separate us, God would be defeated and the devil would be triumphant. Such a calamity cannot happen. To believe the possibility of falling from grace is to believe the possible defeat of God by the devil. This is unthinkable and utterly impossible. The final perseverance of the saints is of necessity true in the view of the glory and the character and the honor of God himself. Yeshua knows all scripture and yet constantly prayed. We need to follow that example of prayer as well as examining ourselves. You cannot hide your sin. The Lord knows our hearts. Are you making an effort daily of examination and repentance? Rav Shaul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but by the one who examines me is the Lord. In chapter 11, he goes on to say, but a man must examine himself. And in doing so, he is eat from eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Earlier in Philippians, Rav Shaul states, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is God that began this good work in you for His purpose and His pleasure. His power is working in us. It is this power when suddenly you're straying off the path that turns your mind back to Yeshua. This is the power that leads to our desire to pray, to be holy. And what made this happen? It's the Spirit that Yeshua poured upon us. The opposite is true. Ever get a random or unholy thought? Where the heck did that come from? It's the evil forces in the air, a.k.a. the demons. There was another book we talked about. It's called Reversing Hermon, which was very interesting on where the demons of the air came down and affected us. And we were talking with a brother at the men's retreat. And one of the things that I've always struggled with uh, throughout my walk is I, I can tend to get angry. And when I get angry, it seems to get a hold of me for, for, for a few minutes. And I'm like, what the heck was that all about? Well, there, if you allow it, a demon of anger can enter your mind. This is why we need to take every thought captive. A demon will find where you are in your weakness and attack that. And there are different times when we are susceptible. When we're ill, when we're ill, we don't feel good. So our minds aren't fully engaged. When we're having stress in our lives, when we're not spending time in the Word daily, when we're not in an intimate relationship with the Lord, we become more susceptible. When we're filling our minds with His Word and we are in daily prayer with the Lord, you're probably going to have a pretty good day. Even when you get attacked, the, our, our method has to be to grab that bad thought, to take it captive and understand who we are Understand that we're glorifying God and we are not going to engage. I once heard it taught that it's called the quick spit. When you see it, you take it obedient, you crush it, and you and you spit it out. So as we prepare for this, some final thoughts uh, from Romans 12. Rob Scholl tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Proverbs 7 tells us, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Maybe when we wake up in the morning, we have our coffee, spend some time in the Word and prayer. How about starting a prayer journal? Scripture tells us to pray all types of prayers and to pray constantly. We pray for God for thanksgiving, and we trust in His glory. We pray for our country. We pray for Israel. We pray for our leaders here at Shul. We pray for leaders of the country. Then we enter into intercessory prayer. We pray for others. And one thing I found rewarding by keeping a prayer journal is not only can you maintain and follow the promise that you said you were going to pray for somebody, but you can keep that daily log and then check them off when God performs the miracle of the prayer. And there is power in the praying to the Lord and tracking this. And remember, the spirit and the power of God has given us, it's at work within us. And remember, it's invincible because it is his. When Satan and all his minions come, and they will, we stand firm in his power and his great might. I'm going to close with one more scripture. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Messiah, Yeshua. 
through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Remember, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Make a point to read your scriptures daily. I assure you, Satan does not want us studying the scriptures. It's one of his key tools is to help find an excuse for us not to be in his word daily. He does not want us in God's word. Pray unceasingly. Put on the full armor of God and stand firm. Shabbat Shalom.